everybody. Welcome to the Event Industry News Podcast. My name is James Dixon and as ever wishing you a very good morning, afternoon or evening whenever or wherever you tune into today's podcast from. And on today's show, I'm delighted to say it's a first timer for the Event Industry News Podcast. Um, joining us today is Richard Twomley, Creative Director at Top Banana. Richard, very good morning to you. Good morning. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, everybody. Um, thanks for joining us today. If, you, if you're watching the video of today's podcast, um, you can see the beautiful Shropshire countryside behind Richard this morning. Um, so, yeah, uh, thanks. Thanks very much for joining us. I'm bunkered down in my uh, base of operations in Barnsley in South Yorkshire. And uh, like everybody at the moment in uh, late January 2021, we're making the best of uh, the situation with homeschooling and everybody working from home under uh, under one roof at the moment. Richard, I'm sure you're no different to any of our other podcast listeners who are working in the same conditions. Yeah, completely. But hopefully all three of them are caged. So unless we have any breakouts, we should be up now. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, on with today's show. And um, as I said, R Richard is a creative director at, at Top Banana. And um, rather than me rambling on about a company and trying to tell our listeners who they are, I always find it it's a much more succinct process if we go straight to the people that know. So, Richard, tell us a little bit about Top Banana and what you do. Um, I think... We're a creative comms agency um, and our provenance has always been in, you know, just delivering great events. We have a wonderful group of people who probably got into the event industry because they love the vibe, they love the energy of putting on a live event, being with people. But we've also got, as well as all those amazing doers, we've got some good thinkers as well who perhaps live more by their ideas and just like producing great stuff for people. So we're, we're a traditional agency in that sense, but um, we've got an awful lot of provenance in um, with some great global clients we've got. Um, part of those, uh, part of the uh, benefit of having global clients is that they have to reach across territories. So some of the, um, some of our history on streaming stuff gave put us in a really good position for what happened with this kind of uh, virtual revolution. Mm. Um, I'm interested in the fact that um, you introduced yourself as a, as a creative communications agency. You know, traditionally you had event agencies and you had comms agencies, people who did marketing. You know, you'd even have separate agencies for your marketing and advertising and then PR as well. Um, and it's interesting now that you introduce yourself as creative communications. Is that because you encompass all of those things that I just mentioned essentially under one well, roof? Yeah, exactly. It's a way of describing everything you've got in-house. I think, uh, just like, you, firstly, it's because it says that on the website, so I have to reiterate, otherwise <laughs> I'm, I'm not on brand. But I think just like you, when I got into this industry, there was event managers and you would work a lot on, on, on live events and that would be considered the communication. These days, we're in a different, we're in a different space. So... Um, yeah, it's hopefully to reflect that. And obviously there's not many moments in time that we do. Everything seems to be joined together with a campaign and that's why it's um, a comms agency. Of course, and, and I suppose there's so, not little differentiation, that might be the wrong thing to say, but so many more brands see live events or, or an event of any kind now as an integral part of their marketing strategy, don't they? You know, whereas before, you know, maybe going back 20 years, it was all very vertical and compartmentalised. You know, you did your advertising and um, you might go to a trade show or a summit or a conference, but major brands now running their own 
events under their own brand is such a critical part of their brand awareness. Yeah, and if you go back to what we were talking about before then, it perhaps we were sophisticated. There wasn't the interest in well-being. There certainly wasn't, mm. businesses didn't have a people strategy as such. So you're looking at a, a need for people to, and call it what you will, creative comms, whatever it is, it's engagement and it's everyone's a human being. Culture isn't, people aren't different because they work for a different company. <laughs> people are given permissions to do different things and companies have different personality and that's great and that's perhaps... Um, where we come in, we kind of translate that and put it onto into an event or like you say, an event will sit on a line of things happening that help get a message across or make people feel something. And that's where we come in. We're, we're people, people who try and bring some, bring some emotion into it. We bring it to life. Yeah. When it, over the last 10 months, when it comes to bringing those things to life, um, how has that landscape changed for some of the clients that, that you work with? You know, you don't have to name specific brands, but you mentioned that you're dealing with global brands. So no doubt it will be people that most of our readers have heard of at some point. How has the landscape changed for them? I mean, regardless of, you know, the size of the company or who the client is, again, the people who are going to be putting on the events or were given responsibility or it was thrown to, Everyone had a different, everyone was different, weren't they? Everyone had a different exposure to the technology. Everyone might have called it something different. Um, and if they'd have done, I imagine what happened was everyone went straight into Google and looked in for whatever they thought the language was, webinar, yeah. whatever conference call. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if you're the same as me, but I've worked at agencies where a few years ago, a conference call was something that got wheeled in on the television and everyone yeah. sat there watching some poor IT guy try to pull it together. Yeah, or even just the, the the phone hub that would sit in the middle of the desk that you could all speak into, you know, the no video yeah, involved. People, you're totally right, and that was even that was a level of discomfort for people. But I think, do you know what? It's 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 a perfect storm in a good way because the landscape's changed in terms of culture and people and what they used to what they used to doing in their own homes, what they see on their television, what they do on their phone when on the bus, and. Also, the live event, no one's used to sitting for seven hours in the same chair with a one-way conversation. <laughs> uh, there's a different workforce. Even people like myself is a bit more dyed in the wool. We're not nine-to-fivers anymore. We're used to working anywhere, any place, on any device. We're much happier to share. And in fact, even the, the younger guys are much more willing to share. They're born to it and they're, um, they look for collaboration. It's not something they're asked to do. It's just something that comes naturally to them. Mm. In terms of the one thing that strikes me as as a change, certainly in the landscape, is that you know anybody who's watching this now can see quite clearly, and I'm not going to hide from the fact I'm underneath a cabin bed in my mm. teenage son's bedroom. I, I have a couple of laptops, a webcam, a microphone, an iPad with some logos on it, but I, I haven't had to go out and buy anything and invest any. This is all stuff that I had available, you know. Yeah. Most of us are armed now with smartphones, with laptops, with iPads, with two, three, four, five devices available to us. And that to me is a big change in landscape in terms of what any organization can do from a live event perspective. And as I was saying to somebody on a recent podcast, we're no longer constrained by this timeline of we have to do our event at this time every year or once every six months because there's travel and cost involved. I think one of the big things is it's added an element of flexibility. You can do it maybe quicker and more frequently. Yeah, there's a few things to pick up there, isn't there? I think if you've got a certain budget and you're used to spending your money on an all hands event, which is live and face to face, 
the attraction of a more frequent cadence when you're speaking to your, you're engaging with the people you work with and for, that's super attractive. It doesn't cost as much and you've got much more contact. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. The other thing you were talking about with everybody having devices, I mean, we're quite savvy, aren't we? We, we look at screens all the day and um, we probably don't get enough time looking away from our screens at the end of the day to, to balance it, but we're used to it. There, there is an audience out there who might you know, work on site or there's a farm in the back. That's, that's not, it's not as familiar to them. So we have to consider our audience when we're thinking about the kind of um, products and solutions we give them, mm. whether you have to choreograph the journey for some people, but like you say, the majority are so savvy, but this is just, people were waiting for this. Mm. I think if I was honest, and I think you're probably going to think the same thing. In the last five to 10 years, people, clients were looking for, how do I get more of that kind of stuff that I'm looking on at Netflix or that's on my Instagram feed, more of that kind of vibe into my event. And because you're spending all your money on a venue and getting people to the venue, that was really hard to achieve, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was always, I mean, going back maybe seven, eight years ago, you know, when people are really looking at live streaming, you know, I'm going to live stream my event as well as have people there, you know, oh, there's an extra cost. I've got to bring in an extra camera crew. I've got to make sure that, you know, there's a really good connection in there. We need to have some contingency. We need to have some redundancy in the connection. And it was all seen as that extra cost. Now, slowly but surely, it became integrated as venue connectivity got better and, the value in having some sort of live streamed content and what you could do with that on social media as well. I think that argument disappeared fairly rapidly, I think, in terms of that being a cost. And we were left, I suppose, in a fortunate position when all of this struck that we had the infrastructure there and also a, a, an accepted standard that you know live streaming and videoing and pushing stuff out via video links was part of the industry uh, and i think had we not reached that stage when this hit the sort of transition back in spring last year could have been even more difficult yeah and i think you've, you've raised a good point there i think it was so familiar that there was a challenge with some of our clients i think well everybody some internally in businesses you might already have oh we've got a system we've got our proprietary band webicom whatever it's called mm -hmm. Why do we need you? Where where do you guys come in? How do you add value to our to our event and our experience? Well, it's exactly that we can we can bring that experience to life because you know that you got a certain amount of material, you've got an audience who need to watch it and, be, and keep keep them infused, not looking at their phones unless they're looking at the phones to engage with the app. The all those things <laughs> had to happen, and, that's it. and for us to show because there wasn't a lot of evidential it wasn't a huge body of evidence out there for how great virtual was at the start a lot of it we're lucky and i think having some amazing long-term relationships means that you've got that trust doesn't it yeah and you're able to then develop products in tandem with your clients develop what you've already got and then you've got some evidential stuff to show others and, and build and that kind of collaborative approach really worked for us i think um at the start we launched a kind of uh, something we tagged the together project which was about our industry you know the clients um that we that we work for and with the suppliers um the partners we have you know the close relationship with them and ourselves together just to say oh, we're in it let's not panic this isn't going to be the end of the world this is just a change in the way we do business sure um, yeah and uh, i mean I, I was going to ask you did it did it take much 
persuasion to, to move them and convince them that virtual would work. But in many respects, they didn't really have a choice. It, it was no longer an option. Shall we try a virtual event this year as well as? There was no choice but to go down that route if they wanted to retain any form of contact with their audience. Yeah, I think you've answered the question that exactly right. There was no choice. What were we going to do? What was your option? Unless you found a way to communicate quickly and to use use whatever platform, because, you know, the platform is relevant, isn't it? At the end of the day, it's the content that you'd be putting on there and mm. the way in which you're engaging with people. But you're right, no choice. Otherwise, there's no comms. There's no, there's no, there's no interaction. There's no, there's no face-to-face. There's no looking in the eyes of people without this. Um, so, yeah, I think... Like I said, everyone was different. Those things that they Googled at the start, and when I'm talking about they, I mean everybody, it looked fairly flat and bland. And as, a, as an event professional, you were probably looking at a set of screens which had writing on going, is this really going to replace mm. all of the you know, experience and memories and feeling and emotion that I get from what is you know, a human experience of meeting people in the same space? No, no chance. So that kind of the way we had to, to, to show and add to our proposition to make people understand that was a real, was a real thing. And, and you know, internally I've touched on um, the people that work in our industry, they do it for the buzz. It's, exi- it's exciting, that's why we all joined. The people, yeah. people. So to take that away is, um, it at first might seem scary to start to bring it back. And in, in, in the interim in lockdown, between those two stages where we came out and went back in again, you started to see some of that hybridization where people were back and enjoying the buzz of being alive, albeit socially distanced. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, it was great. Yeah. Um. That was. What What position were you in when you had to, you know, adapt very very quickly? Now that this all came about very very suddenly, as we all know. You know, yeah. one one day there were events, and the next day, bang, lockdown, everything cancelled what the hell do we do? You know, it was, it was as blunt a stop as we've ever come to as a country, not just as an industry. Um, was there much adaptation for you guys or did you fundamentally have the bits and pieces in place to be able to service clients with what they wanted to do? Yeah, so you've, you're right. The tools were already in place. Some amazing people who work at the company who know what they're doing, so uh, able to adapt and flex to something new some incredible partners and we were fortunate like i guess a few other agencies in our position that we had our own studio space and we could use that to host like um, physical events and broadcast from there because you know we are essentially making tv broadcasts most of the time now yeah yeah um we had space where we could do smaller um vision mixing studios for like smaller events which are you know great for our clients and then you know, for expansion and movement out of our own space, we have some great partners where, you know, the tech's there too. So being established helped, having a great roster of, you know, talented people helped, Um, but it was still, you know, it was a panic at the start, like it was for everybody. You had to flex and change and work out where we're going to go. Going back to sort of a a different life, you know, I worked in publishing for for several years and that's sort of, I suppose where my career started, you know, d- learning about uh, marketing communications and, and working the pub- print publishing industry and dealing with advertisers and what they were seeking to get out of it. And and somebody told me a long time ago, you know, that the, the best time for major brands, particularly to really push hard and, and invest in their brands and in their communications is in a downturn. So did, did you did you experience 
uh, a situation where actually some of the clients you're working with still wanted to invest in their communications, but suddenly they weren't presented with this significant cost of doing it in a real life space. You know, whilst there is a lot of tech and hardware involved to do it to our high standard, the cost of running a virtual event arguably is is less than putting people in hotels, getting people from A to B, setting up venues, et cetera, et cetera. So were you faced with a good situation in some respects where some clients still had the budget and you could be quite creative with what you were going to do virtually? Yeah, I think that's that's a really good insight. I'd be really interested to see what you think about whether tech has more of a look in now that those budgets have freed up. And I think we do normally expect to take cues from the other industries, the other media that everyone's using frequently. But what we saw, it was the investment was so massive and the, and the growth was so exponential in, in the tech and the evolution of great tools that you're almost seeing that bleed into other sectors as well. So yeah, the investment was there. It had to be, like you said, there was no choice because necessity is a mother of invention, right? You've got to Yeah, be- exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd be interested to see what you think. Because I know a lot of the events, the tech sometimes, just to, to some people, it's an amazing solution. To others, it's frivolous. What, what are your thoughts? Um, I, I think a lot of this was sort of, we covered a lot of ground on, on the Event Tech Live uh, show last year. And we were fortunate in many respects that Event Tech Live had no choice like other events to go virtual. You know, we were presented with that scenario. So we did it over five days and it was brilliant because for five days, I essentially got to talk to people about their experiences. Now, one thing that was interesting is that um, there was a feeling that after years of tech companies knocking on the doors of major organizers to say, we've got this great bit of tech, you know, we really think it could help you. And the major organizers almost keeping them at arm's length and yeah. batting them away and straight batting them saying, oh, maybe next year, maybe we'll trial you. Maybe suddenly they all came knocking on the doors of tech companies demanding their tech to be up and running and ready for next week. And it's sort of like a having a cake and eat it scenario in some respects. And I don't want to sort of put the boot in, but you know, I felt a bit for some of the tech companies who had been really trying hard to expand and offer it to the bigger organizers for for a long period of time who were suddenly faced with a scenario of either deliver or lose the biggest opportunity that has ever been presented to them and i think that as an in as a sort of a sub industry people who specialize in delivering technology solutions of any kind for the event industry fulfilled an absolutely noble purpose last year and and you know to a man were pretty much you know working flat out for months yeah it was graft for people i can totally see that i know you guys have spoken about the kind of technology versus budget equation and that balance and i'll just be interested to see if you'd seen it swing and like you say it has yeah i mean the from what i'm aware you know that suddenly well, it goes back to the fact that there were no physical events. So all the costs associated with a physical event, a venue, the travel, the accommodation, the food, the the, the fancy drinks receptions, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, any company that still had that money to invest could suddenly put it into really good quality event tech um, to make their virtual events as best as possible. Um, and I think and- we're seeing it now. You see, we can still provide like a vision mixed show which is great which means the presenters are super comfortable because there's someone next to them managing their content feeding at the right time playing the videos etc etc through broadcast quality and we can step up and use some of what were 
essentially our enhanced like event tools that were like you know you one stop shop for your event organizer for reg back end all that kind of yeah, stuff yeah yeah and now you can buy your golf or you can have your bentley but you are going to be left with some with some money to do the bespoke items so i think there was a few things wasn't you went back to talking about were clients nervous was there a problem well yes because sometimes you're responsible for your speakers and your presenters as well yeah those did guys you, did you did you find when you were putting speakers and presenters did you find that the lines of communication that you had to have with them and ahead of a virtual event were not just different but in some respects even more detailed and more intense than at a live event because i find that at a live event you email them and you say you're speaking at one o'clock arrive no later than 12 30 come to the speaker lounge we'll brief you we've got your presentation in advance you give it to the av guy there's your lectern there's your clicker and away you go you know the the briefing in advance is quite not minimal but i found that the that the organization for the speakers and the presenters was far more detailed yeah, well, it's that classic, isn't it? Familiarity is going to breed contempt because you not, and that's not in a negative way, but it's just that's just normal. When you're used to doing something, it's second nature to you. I think if you ask some of our live teams uh, who are managing those jobs, they'd say, yes, the expectation was that the, you just turn up again. Oh, I'll just come on the call a couple of minutes before. No, because, you know, that's a heart stopper for us. And also, yeah. I think it's important for people to understand that you know what if you're comfortable in a group of friends like with your mates or you're, you're on stage if that's where you're comfortable you know you're going to buzz off the feedback the mm. the lols the mega lols you're going to have on stage you don't get that with everyone on mute so <laughs> you've got to you've got to try and find a way to to re-engage and get those people get the audience being part of your, your presentation so that was something we worked closely i mean at the start we just came up with like some a, a way to emote you know which was familiar to everybody the likes and the loves and that, they, they tend to break the internet for us now which is wonderful and um and then obviously as you develop those kind of products you, your eyes are open to other ones and what what's missing from what happens what do people like to do at a real event well they like if they are sitting at a table at an award ceremony they want to chat while they're show, being shown content can you do that uh yeah well let's let's let's, let's see and we'll, we'll make it and now we can yeah. make let's try it i mean that that's the beauty in some respects is that we've had a in the last 10 months a let's try it attitude and i think the one thing that you can always say about anybody who works in this industry you know they, they could be crew that move stuff av techs you know organizers you know mocs we we all like i've never met anybody in this industry who doesn't like learning something new and who doesn't like challenging themselves to learn a new skill I've learned everything that I know within the events industry, you know, whatever that may be on the job, you know, yeah. by accident, I fell into it like a lot of people. And, you know, yeah. I had a background in live music, which gave me a good start point, but everything else has been learned on the job. And um, it's probably the same for you and your team. You know, there was suddenly a challenge presented to learn new things, which you think actually long-term, this is some extra strings to our bow. There you go. You're exactly right. So, yeah, you do learn from failure and stuff, but sometimes you learn from, you know, an opportunity. What I'd, perhaps it's not learning. It's more about the thing when you want to go wild with your imagination. I'm a creative. I work in a creative studio with, you know, creative people. Now we're a creative business, but we make things. We use ideas and we try and come up with stuff that's, you know, different and interesting and inspires us and gets our clients inspired too. So that's not possible if you want to have a floating bunch of grapes with some screens on at a live event. But now, if you want to design that floating bunch of grapes in 3D and have it spin, that's affordable because that's yeah. part of 
So what's happened is for our guys, they can go mad with their imagination and create something that's out there, but also like better reflects the brand. Because all the content you see from a brand, you know, that goes onto TV and on their Insta feeds is beautiful and it's 3D, it's, it's artist created and driven, it's aesthetically pleasing. And that was something that when you've got a large conference hall is sometimes difficult to translate. But in, in the world that we're in now, it's TV screen, why not? Why can't I see that that same stuff? Is that suddenly everybody's got the match of the day studio available to them. <laughs> there you go. And it presents its own problems as well, because sometimes you're left with a big green screen going, okay, that doesn't look right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And it's it's the first it's the first time we've ever had to brief people in advance. You know, when it comes going back to speakers and, and presenters, briefing them about what to wear and what not to wear. Yeah, uh, you know, not so much because we're using green screen, but in terms of just the quality of the feed and I, I likened that organizational process more to doing the tech advance for a live music event where you would speak to each individual artist or band and find out specifically what they were going to be using and how that differed from the previous person. And and then yeah. you have to communicate that to your to your tech op uh, operators. And I found that the, it was actually a very similar process with a virtual event because you might have to say to your tech operator, look, this guy's not using a, a, a proper microphone. He's just using the audio on there. So we may need to just, you know, work the EQ on his his audio a little bit to make beef up his, vo his voice, you know, little mm -hmm. things like that. You know, you were finding you probably had to deal with people in a lot more detail based on what laptop they were using, what internet connection they may have. You know, did they have headphones? Did they not? What was the lighting like? Yeah, you're totally right. And I mean, I'm not going to pretend to be, be you know, one of those one of those live guys that will get laughed at, it's, but it's way north of my skill set. But you're absolutely right. There's a change. There's a, there's a difference. So yeah, going back to what we were talking about earlier, Richard, um, with with speakers and presenters, the experience that I had certainly last autumn with with a couple of shows was that dealing with the speakers and presenters was more akin to doing the technical advancing for a music event where you're dealing with all the different technical requirements and backline equipment requirements of bands and, and musical artists and having to note specifically what each one needs, what they're going to bring. And, and it was the same for the presenters and the speakers, you know, what laptop are they going to use? Do they have a, a separate microphone? Have they got headphones? You know, all of that needed to be communicated in advance so that we could make any adjustments. And I don't know if you've sort of had those same experiences in dealing with people. Yeah. And you know what? I wouldn't even try to comment on all the technical ins and outs because it's way north of my skill set and I'll get laughed at when I go back, when everyone sees it from work. But you're absolutely right. And, and you've, you've got, made a wider point there about the different experiences that people get and the nuances and subtleties that come with using technology. Mm. When you when you boil it down, you've got, whether your event is virtual or hybrid, this is just a, an, a, an evolution of language really and, and the way we use words to describe what's an event. They're the same. Yeah. Why we came up with virtually the same really, because it is, you know, there's, there's a uniformity, people and screens. But <laughs> the experience will be different for you watching like if you're at a football match it's different to watching it on the tv you know the sights and the sounds and the smells and the, the audio all that is very different and you have to cater for that when you think about the, the streams of content you're delivering for your audience are you making it great for the people who are there and delivering it and are there a, a short a small group of people watching and what's it like for the people who are just watching with their tech at home we have many of our clients who have not a disparate but a a spread out group who might have phones but not access to like large screen devices they don't sit in front of a laptop all day they might 
you know, work in store and, you know, their, their contribution is no less valuable. They might work in a coffee shop. That, these are jobs that are, you still require the engagement, but the tools are different. So you have to really consider that when you think, that technology that you're talking about, the nuance, you've got to consider that when you're thinking about how to get to them. You, you've, just, you've just sort of prompted a, an analogy uh, in my head and, and I'll, 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 I'll run with this and see if it makes any sense whatsoever but I suddenly thought of Amazon when they came into the world of, of uh, football um, you know recently in, in comparative terms recently and when they got the rights to show some Premier League matches and people were able to watch those via their Amazon Prime account or via their fire sticks or whatever there was a real shift in landscape because how they did it was so different they got so much positive feedback for all the interaction that they were able to deliver they really rethought the process of broadcasting football via a tv screen and what they could do with it and that 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 to me shows that yes everyone would love to be in a stadium watching the football the experience of watching it on tv is a totally different experience but what amazon did is reshape that and show how good it can be in that different scenario and to me that that paints a very similar picture what we can do it with events you know we have these terms at the moment hybrid virtual live event an event is an event one is watching the football in the stadium one is watching it maybe via amazon and we've got that chance to sort of be amazon in a way yeah yeah you, you, there's definitely a parallel i'm really happy with the analogy i think it's i think you've done really well there i think yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're going to be deficient in some things aren't you because there's no there's no crowd there and also amazon maybe they've used some techniques that we'd all be familiar with you know we, we, we used to having bite-sized content we used to have things change quickly we used to having choice that personalization element of how you listen how you view is great and that's going to be one of the developments that you're going to see i think the joined up experience for virtual audiences will change to reflect all the things we've talked about you know and how people how people live what this has done is it's, it's, it's exposed all of us to all that kind of media that we love whether we're watching at home or streaming through our network provider for our television the social stuff we get involved with and love the time we spend on videos is going to be shorter and shorter the bite-sized content the way we learn the way we evolve and share is different mm -hmm. so maybe it was maybe it was the right time and all of this for our industry was a was a good thing in some ways now, i'm not saying that has been good for our industry what i'm saying is the way in which it's evolved is you know starting to reflect the way in which people actually want to live their lives and engage with learning it yeah yeah and, and i don't think we should be we shouldn't be afraid to say that out of this terrible situation that we've all lived in good has come inevitably you know i, I think you have to be open and, and admit that and I, I don't think people should shy away from it because it's not showing any um uh sort of not ill feeling but it, it, it's not showing a lack of empathy for anybody who's who's gone through you know this in any sort of negative way what it's doing is accepting the fact that when we're faced with challenges we find solutions like you said you know necessity is the mother of invention um and i think when we do come out of this eventually we'll look back and say as dark a period as it was it was also a period in, of innovation of people to be able to rethink and come up with new ideas and change how we're doing things or even, or even, you know, integrate some of those things that have struggled to get, you know, the look in. And you know, you're right. It's been a dreadful time for some people. We've all got friends who have lost jobs, colleagues that have, are not working anymore. But the hope is that there's 
new opportunities that are grown from this. Those people who couldn't get a look in before now have a look in. The, the, the regular cadence of these events, if I say cadence again, I'll shoot myself. <laughs> the, 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 the frequency at which we're communicating, the closer the closeness of relationships means there will be opportunities in the future. The greater, you know, um, use of like really creative products and content to bring things to life, the technology, everything's coming together to make, when we go back into the live arena, and we know all that's not gonna be exactly the same again, for some of our clients, uh, virtual never replace what they do. They're face-to-face -face people, whether that's mm. sales or tactile, that's what, that's what they do. But the techniques we employ, now whether that's a client with um, some great new product development, okay, let's, let's get it out to everybody. Let's look at those swatch fabrics. Let's smell that fragrance. Let's be involved with it. Let's get everybody, regardless of where they are, having a common experience. And if they can't, can we send something else out that just that, that makes it? But you, you, you're looking at trying to use all of the senses. It's, a, it's an every sense experience, if you like. Yeah. And, and like you said, it, it's, it, you rightly point out that some, depending on the brand, depending on the company that you're working for, you know, if they've got to put a physical product into somebody's hands in order for them to be able to really identify with what this new product is that that brand are launching, you can't replace that. You can't send it down the TV screen. But I've seen some creative ways, you know, we've all had shopping delivered from a major supermarket at some point over the lockdown. And I've seen more examples where my sort of weekly shop is delivered of free samples being, you know, put in there. You know, companies are clearly thinking, oh, hold on, more people are now getting home delivery. So we've got an opportunity to actually get stuff into those homes rather than them just relying on picking up a free sample in that shop. You know, and to me, that's a great opportunity there. And for a brand, you could tie that in, you know, get it into people's hands via a weekly shop and then run something via social media the following week to see if they've, you know, picked up on it. It's joining up, isn't it? And my hope is we'd already started like a wellbeing revolution before we came into lockdown. But it's more about human experiences and understanding how we tick. And, I, you know, I think the age of behavioural science has always been around, but it will come more to the fore because... What are people's wants and needs? How do they tick? What's changed in the landscape? How is the, you, you, how have employees and colleagues, people, have we changed? What are we looking for now? And what do we, what, what do you get most, most results out of by, by engaging with us? I, I've got to ask you a question about f fatigue. Is there's, there's a, as is often the way in, in our industry, terminology sort of creeps in as different things happen. And one thing that seems to be creeping in is this term digital fatigue. And whether or not we'll get tired of it we've all had to spend so much not maybe more time on our devices because i think arguably most people certainly this is this industry we're constantly checking their phones they're always on a laptop or something but this idea of of actually talking to people like we are now constantly are we going to get tired of it is it something that we need to bear in mind and do we need to sort of have some plans in place so that if that fatigue does set in we can shift a little bit it's a thing. It's definitely a thing. And we both know that when you have a conversation with someone, you, you get a half an hour or an hour slot, people's eyes will be flicking because they know they've got to do their job on the side as well. You'll start to see their faces light up as their email screen opens, or you'll start to see people side messaging and stuff. That's, that's human. That's normal. That's an evolution. The, the way we counteract that is is to, is to try and draw some techniques that you'd see in other media. You don't see a television program where you've got one person staring at the screen. You, you know, Patrick Moore, Sky at Night, I'm showing my age, isn't what you see anymore. You're going to see a magazine television show where there's pre-recorded and recorded content. There's 
there's a speed and a pace to the way it's delivered. There's interesting things happening. There's engagement with your audience. There's choreographed bits that pull people in who are remote and who are there in the studio. So you're looking at techniques which are designed to, to involve people. Are they doing something on their phone? Are they uh, inputting, have they been pre-selected to give you some feedback? That's the way of keeping people interested is the only way we're gonna stop people drifting during um, the fatigue, right? Fatigue is definitely a thing. Yeah, and of course, Patrick Moore, legendary astronomer or the games master, depending on depending on how uh, yeah. how old you are, which generation you're from, or you teenagers that was, that out there. Change for him, wasn't it? With Dominic Diamond. Yeah, exactly right. I saw it live. A level physics went to went to watch his went, went to watch Patrick Moore live, and and all the teenagers want to shout is, "You're the games master! You're the games master!" <laughs> This is great com content for the youngsters out there. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And and, and what, what I've never addressed really before, maybe this is the ideal time to do it, is it bec yeah. because of the situation that we're living in, you know, people may be listening to this now rather than sat at their desk in their office with their headphones on you know, while they're doing some other work. They could be out walking their dog or doing their daily exercise, you know. Um, you know, there, there might be, you know, five episodes deep into Bridgerton on Netflix, you know. Who knows? So hello to anybody who's listening to this while they're doing something maybe that wouldn't be what they would usually be doing in normal circumstances quote unquote but uh hello to everybody and well done to you all for for surviving and for listening and doing whatever you're doing during these um these very 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 strange times um richard um it's been great to speak to you today thank you very much uh, it's been an absolute pleasure thanks for being so kind and patient no, 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 no problem at all. There, there may be a couple of edits in here because, you know, such is such is life at the moment. I've had a couple of Internet issues and things have dropped out. So if you hear a, a creative edit in this podcast at any point, you know, we'll try and mask them. But, you know, 10 points, if you can spot them, tweet us at event news blog with the hashtag EIN podcast. If you can spot the edit points in today's episode. They're nothing major, and uh, it certainly hasn't hasn't affected the great conversation that we've had with uh, Richard Twamley, creative director at Top Banana. Um, I should also point out, and this is a blatant plug for other stuff that we're doing and uh, and other things that are afoot at the moment. Mr. Adam Parry, who you'll know is the editor of Event Industry News and uh, host of the podcast in my absence over the last uh, 10 months or so, has now launched the Event Tech Talk Show. Um, you can find that particular podcast via the Event Tech Live channel. So if you search for Event Tech Live on, on any of the social media platforms, LinkedIn uh, or on its website, you should be able to pick up a new podcast that Adam Parry he's doing talking to some of the movers and the shakers specifically in the tech industry well worth going over and checking that out and we will continue to talk wider events through the event industry news podcast with people like richard and uh, many more besides in the coming weeks so uh, thanks very much for joining us today richard before we wrap things up finally as i said you're the creative director at top banana if people want to find you guys on the internet what are the social media handles and how can they track you down Oh, you can get us across all the the, the usual um, channels. Just I would say, just get in touch, ask us some questions. If you're not one of working with us right now, it might be that we can help you out with your projects or your brief. We'd love to hear. Final point: You've just prompted one final question. If you if you would indulge me just for a minute or so, um, mm -hmm. have you found that in the last ten months there has been a greater collaborative ethic amongst the industry and a willingness maybe to share information and ideas more freely than before as we all seek to try and find the best way through this yeah so let me answer that in in, in two parts i think firstly internally the big worry was especially for us in the creative studio 
maybe looking outwards in, not for us, that the collaborative would be, the collaboration would be worse. In fact, it's been better. The time to spend together on projects has just made made the quality of it just just grow so much. And it's been a, a real pleasure to get back to really enjoying doing what we do. But then the wider industry needs to be better at sharing. We need to be less um, secret about our stuff and holding stuff in. We can we can make lives better for clients and, and the people who work for the companies that we work for by just sharing a bit more of the information we've got and a bit more of the, the skills and expertise that we've that we've learned over the last year. Brilliant. Great way to wrap up uh, today's episode. Thanks to everybody for tuning in to the Event Is Your News podcast today. Thanks again to Richard from Top Banana. My name is James Dixon, and I look forward to welcome you to the next episode of the podcast. See you soon, guys. Bye-bye. Yes, thank you.